Hello there and welcome to the Ask Dying Film Podcast, where we talk the latest in blockbuster film and TV. This week we're talking about Shazam, Fury of the Gods. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined by my co-host John. How are you this week? Great, yeah. Come just, on, enthusiasm. Um, yes, yes, we can't wait Woo! to talk about the Fury of the Gods. This definitely isn't the second time that we've recorded this intro. Oh, no. No, no. We, we are professionals. We're professionals. We've been doing this podcast for two years now, so we yeah. just had a scuff intro. But anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> Here we are. are you, Tom? I'm good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> smiling like an idiot. Yeah, just trying to get through. <laughs> smiling like an idiot. Uh, just like Shazam. Wow. Segway. Shazam Fury of the Gods. Briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. Let's get straight into this, shall we? Yes, I'll do it enthusiastically. Okay. <clears throat> Billy Batson and his fellow foster kids are still learning how to juggle teenage life with their adult superpowers alter egos when a vengeful trio of ancient gods arrives on Earth in search of a magic stolen from them long ago. Shazam and his allies get thrust into battle for their superpowers, their lives, and the fate of the world. And this movie, yes, let's let's get into it. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to be discussing full spoilers. So you have been warned. We talked about the first Shazam, didn't we? week a couple weeks ago we really we really liked it thought it was an absolute top-notch movie what are your thoughts about this here sequel i was surprised in a bad Mm. way uh, Mm. because we had that massive you know expectation after we watched the first one it was such a joy to watch and then this one it was just so all over the place it's like the film trying to focus you like at so many different plot points and I felt there was such a weird plot ideas that they throw into, especially at the end. We'll talk about the end, but yeah, it was such a mess for me. I'm 100% with you. There's a good movie in here somewhere and I don't even yes. think it's like buried beneath. It's not like, to give another recent example, it's not like Quantumania. It's not like... Oh, you, of course it's, not. Yeah. It's not completely useless and, you know, lacking in the simple skills. In the first act, it's building things that could really work and could really come together to make something good. But there's so much going on that it's all over the place and the things that you kind of need focus on just aren't there. It feels like at the end of the first movie, Billy gives all the powers to his family and we get the Shazam family. And from there you feel, okay, so the sequel is going to be this story about all six of them learning to work as a team, learning to work together. We can develop all of the characters as one, but it wasn't really interested in in, in doing that. No, yeah, and I just felt like we could have explored the family, but we just only get, like, small hints of their life, you know, what we did. But in the first one, we did get, like, you know, a variety of their life in that home, but in this one, we only get to explore Billy's character arc, which is a bit messy, we know that he's trying to be this type of leader in this film. He's leaving his parents' house. That's what he thinks, you know, he's going to get kicked out by the age of 18. It makes you want to focus on that, but there's other things to focus on, like the trio of the ancient gods. They're throwing, like, Greek mythology into this film. I just don't know what to say. It just felt really messy. You were focusing on different character developments, but I just couldn't even focus what was happening. I was like, that's kind of cool, but what did I just watch? Not going to lie, the dragon in this film was cool. Yeah, the one the one thing, the dragon was cool, everything else, not so much. No, I, I think that you're right. The first film had so much more focus, and because it was so focused, it managed to, in very simple ways, convey the characters of all the family. 
And it's a good way to spring off with Billy's arc. Billy's arc in this film, it feels like it's a natural character progression. He wants to keep everyone together because he's so scared of keeping them apart. And he doesn't feel like he's a worthy hero. He doesn't feel like he is anything on his own. And he has to prove that to himself and to everybody else and to sacrifice himself at the end. And that is the culmination of his arc. The problem is, is there's so much going on in the movie other than that. This kind of gets lost. There's another kind of plot line, as you say, about him worried that he's going to get kicked out of his home. There's this very, very, very small subplot. Literally, it happens in two scenes where he won't call Rosa mum. And then he does at the end. We barely get any of Billy, like, as a kid, like, in school or or just just kid Billy. We barely get any of that. And there's also this subplot about Billy being stupid. (laughs) Like in the first film, the wizard says, oh, you will have the strength of Solomon. And in this one, they're like, yeah, we don't have the strength of Solomon because Billy's a moron. (laughs) And he is a bit of a moron. But that isn't it so much. What did I say? What did what did I say? You said the strength of Solomon. I said the strength of Solomon. Apparently, I am stupid as well. I meant the wisdom. Wisdom, <laughs> but Solomon. yes, wisdom. Point being is that even for Billy's character, there feels like there are so many different things happening, and I don't feel like any of it is truly given enough time to cook. Exactly. I just didn't feel like there was a lot of things to develop. Like, as you said, the first act was like definitely cooking. I'm not going to lie. The opening was cool. I really like how it was setting up two of these gods. It was really terrifying because, you know, David F. Sandberg, he was a horror director and he knew how to yeah. really set that up for the opening. And I, I really like that. It was really cool. But then again, that isn't really explored with the other gods. They're just like, oh, we need Earth because power's... We want our powers back. And the really, really annoying thing is that we only get to hear about their motivation or anything about their life. It's just through dialogue and books in the library. You know, you don't really see that emotional motivation for the gods. Like, oh, they took our powers. You know, we don't want these children to have our powers. It's just like a typical villain. Oh, we want Mm. powers. We, we really praise Savannah in the last movie. And while he's not perfect by any stretch, he's carried by the fact that the film opens with him and we get a really strong motivation for him, his feeling of powerlessness and the treatment of his family. And that ties into the themes of family throughout the movie. It all ties together really nicely in the first one. But in this one, you have three villains and they each have a different perspective on the same motivation of we want our powers back, we want to grow back this tree. Lucy Liu's character, Calypso, I think, is very kind of like angry. She believes that humans are below gods. And so she plants the tree in Philadelphia at the end. Then you've got Hespero, which is Helen Mirren's character, who doesn't really care and just wants the thing so they can plant the tree in their own realm. There are a couple of times when Hespero even says to Billy, it doesn't have to be like this, you didn't have to get hurt. And then you've got Anthea, who for some reason, goes undercover, I guess, at yeah. the school and has this weird romantic subplot with Freddy, which potentially is the weakest part of the film, apart from the ending. And bizarre. Yeah, so bizarre. Like, what was up with that? Why is she undercover, though? It's not really explained. I guess she She's wants to there. find Freddy. I understand what they were going for, but you don't need that. That is probably the part of the movie that you really can just throw out. Like, Freddy already has his own arc that you get set up from like the first scene with him in where he wants to do his own thing and billy's trying to pull him back 
that is completely lost through Freddy getting kidnapped and mostly then being on his own throughout the narrative. All of that kind of arc is lost. And that's just a huge, huge shame because the bridge scene I thought was really solid. There's a lot of good setup in that first scene where the kids are all in the house and then they go out to the bridge and they save everyone, but they also destroy the bridge and they have this name that they're the Philadelphia fiascos. I think that works really nicely. And that's a nice setup for these heroes who need to learn to work as a team and need to learn how to actually be a hero. Yes. Yes. That was staying up from the first film, you know, as a family, like working together. And then mm. this one, it was like trying to set that up. Billy trying to be a leader, but he doesn't know how to. So there's that character growth. But then with the complex dynamic with the trio and Billy, that was just thrown in. It didn't mix together that well. There wasn't really much of a dynamic in that film. If you if you look at like other protagonists and the antagonists, there should be like a dynamic between them. I think Shazam and Hespera talk like three times in the movie and nothing about it is especially captivating or has much to say about the themes or about the character arcs or anything like that. What was the themes in this film anyway? Like in the first one, it was actually about family and yourself trying to find your true family, essentially. Mm. But this one, I don't know what the themes were. It was just so messy. I just couldn't, like, is it about growing up? Is it, you know, trying to be a leader? What was it really essentially? A family? I, I guess. I, I, family? Oh my gosh, Fast and Furious. But, um, no. <laughs> yeah. Again, goddammit. It always comes back to Fast and Furious. They even make a joke about Fast and Furious in this movie. But do. if I was to kind of think about what the themes could be, I like the idea of the themes being growing up. I think Billy as a character needs to grow up in many ways. And you've got Mary who wants to grow up and wants to go to college, but she made that choice not to go so she could be a superhero with her siblings. And then you've got Freddy who wants to kind of be on his own as a hero and Billy trying to keep everyone together. And at the end, having to make that choice to grow up and do that sacrifice, as I said earlier. But if that is the theme of the movie, it's not very clear. You know, I'm having to think, and even now I'm like, it doesn't really sound like there is any particular theme, really. They don't really do anything with the fact that all the villains are so old and that they're so ancient. Like, you could explore the fact that growing up can lead to an aversion to change. But I don't think necessarily they did that. And like you say, in the first movie, everything is so well tied back to those themes. In this one, it feels like whatever themes they are are just kind of hanging in midair and you can't really grab them all. Yeah. It's just the subplots that's just ruined it all. Anthea and Freddy relationship. And there's this whole idea that Freddy is kind of powerful, like in human form, which is not explained at all. Like yeah. how he got through the mind possession of like trying to tell the names of the family and then somehow was walking towards that dragon while it was about to kill them i don't know what it was like he just could walk through it yeah they're like oh he's got great spirit and it's like cool we gonna do anything with that no okay freddy loses his powers and all the other characters apart from billy eventually lose their powers and to me, it felt like such a waste. What is even the point of giving everyone these powers if you're going to get rid of them so early in the film and not give everyone a true chance? Like, when 
all of the heroes fight Hespera. Immediately, Pedro gets his powers taken away. Eugene is paralyzed. Darla and Mary are both tied up. And then it's just Billy versus Hespera. I don't even know why we're doing the Shazam family at all if you can't see everyone working together as a team and everybody having these superpowers. And I pray that if there is a Shazam 3, who knows if that's happening, but I pray that if there is one, they actually let the Shazam family do things. Apart from that bridge fight, I can't even think of a time where they actually do anything of their powers. And I just felt like there wasn't variety for that superhero family, really. And I don't know why they've done that gimmick of like, oh no, they take the powers. I don't know what it was achieving in the first place, but like this whole idea of the family and this going against the gods. You don't see the other sides of the Greek gods. In Wonder Woman, Ares killed all like the proper powerful Greek gods. Yeah, I know there's the easy argument that Shazam is very separate from Wonder Woman, but not really, because the ending of the film, literally having Wonder Woman as the only remaining god, again, I want to save that till the end, because oh boy, I've got so much to say about that. There's just so much going on. There's even a subplot with the parents where they find out that everyone's superhero, but you don't get the opportunity for there to be any no. drama and any conflict within the family about all the kids like leaving and, and, and not telling the parents like what what's happening and that like you get like one scene where they're like, Hey, where are you going? And Dala's like, Hey, we're gonna fight crime. Whereas in the first movie, there was always the main conflict between Billy and Freddie, this emotional conflict that we get was very consistent throughout, and we get to feel that family dynamic whereas in this one it feels like it completely disappears in the middle of the movie and just so much happening i was just sitting there in the cinema i didn't know what i was experiencing and okay so then this plot twist if you can call it you know like the true villain was lucy lou's character this entire time and then helen mirror's character just gets killed by the dragon i'm like what but why, why did you why did you even add that in it doesn't make sense helen mirror's like oh no we must not do this and he just gets killed i was just sat there nearly about to have a brain aneurysm i just couldn't like <laughs> why? why why would you do that? And yeah, then, why why um, even have these like three different villains <sighs> if only one of them really contributes as an antagonistic force and the other two are just there to do very small things in the climax and also very loosely being part of like the theme again which is a very difficult theme to even pinpoint i do want to be positive because i feel like we're we're, we're talking so much about the plot and about you know the things that didn't work and while it there is a considerable amount i didn't necessarily walk out from this film thinking oh it's terrible i just kind of thought it was fine because there were good elements as i say the first act i think we were setting up some really interesting stuff and i think that works quite well i think all the acting were really good all the characters are still likable i'm not sure how i feel about zachary levi as shazam i feel like he's a bit too much of a goofball I much prefer what Asher Angel is doing with his portrayal as Billy. I think that that feels more like a protagonist that I want to follow than Zachary Levi's Billy, which is much more kind of just downright idiotic and goofy. But one thing that I did really appreciate in the movie was the score. I thought the score actually worked really, really well. Yeah, I thought there were some great parts in the score that was like picking up the film, making it really interesting. I don't want to be too mean about this. I'm sorry, but it's like you're watching paint dry on the wall. You know, like you're watching paint dry on the wall. <laughs> wow. How Hans Brutal. Zimmer is playing time. And it's like, wow, this is art. 
Who made that score? The first film was scored by Benjamin Wolfish. And the second film was Christoph Beck. Christoph Beck, we might recognize from Ant-Man movies. And I think that the Ant-Man movies have a really, really good theme, especially the first one. It's like, you know, if you listen to our video, that is such a good score. And I think that he did some really, really great moments with this score. There's a really great use of the Wonder Woman theme, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) But some of those moments really, really work because of that. And in different ways from the first one, this film is quite funny. I don't know if it's always intentional, but I just think this film was just sometimes just a bit stupid and it made me laugh. There's one scene, for example. So earlier in the film, Mary says to Dala, why have I got Skittles in my pocket? And Dala says, oh, you were feeling sad, so I gave you some Skittles. And then later on, they have to tame the mighty unicorn. And at the last moment before it tramples everyone, Dala throws Skittles to it. And it eats the Skittles. And Dala says taste the rainbow and then we just get this whole thing about skit ridiculous it was so stupid and i kind of loved it it really was unapologetically awesome i really really enjoyed that level of stupidity in the movie like were they sponsored by skittles amazing I thought I was watching an ad when Dala says "Taste the Rainbow." I was like, "Yeah, this is this is Skittles. <laughs> this, this is just like, like an ad." I just couldn't believe what I was watching, and I was like, "Amazing!" I mean, a unicorn's eating Skittles. I'm like, now I want Skittles. I want. <laughs> I love Skittles. Let's go! Damn, the the marketing worked. Yeah, the the, the um, comedy I think was decent, but I think it was funnier because it was a bit stupid. Like, I think the first film is just so much funnier. Another thing, I I liked the wizard. Got more to do in this one. Not a whole lot, but if anyone remembers our Kingsman review all the way from the beginning of last year, I love Jaiman Honsu, and he rarely ever gets Wait. his dues. I think he even did an interview recently where he talked about being disappointed because he's still getting these side roles and he wants to be taken seriously as an actor. Well, I take you seriously as an actor, Jaiman, and I really, really would love him to do more. And also his drip at the end. Lovely. Ooh. Lovely, sir. Oh, I was like, looking great. Yes, this is so much better. Like, drip. Yes. To continue my final bit of positivity that I can give this film, I think the set pieces were really well done, and there's a lot of creativity of different realms that they use, and as you say, the dragon was cool. And there's, like, CGI creatures that come out. The CGI wasn't bad at all. I thought that was really cool. But all roads lead us to the end. I mean, we've got to talk about it, right? The ending of this movie is... Can I explain it? Please do. Okay, so... In this final bit of the film, Billy sacrificed himself to fight against Lucy Liu's character and the dragon. Not gonna lie, the whole fight was kind of cool, you know, like what they've done with the lighting and etc. Mm. And then Billy, and there was Billy some goes, really nice emotion as well. The music really uplifted that. And honestly, if it wasn't for the TV spot which showed Wonder Woman in it. I would have believed that they were sacrificing Billy and I would have been like, oh, that's a really emotional moment. But they already put it in the marketing. Yeah, it's stupid. Everyone's like, no, Billy! No, Billy, you're stupid. Please wake up. Please wake up. And I was like, oh my God, this is like really emotional. Like, this Mm. is where the phone's going. And before we get into that, I thought that they were going to set up the idea of... So each other family member, like, they need to unite together to create Billy Batson, like in the Flashpoint comic where Billy Batson is dead in this comic and they all need to unite together to be shazam like one figure that's why i thought so such an emotional moment we were like man mm. this is great and then the back in my head i was like wait that tv spot 
Yeah. Why did we get stupid that TV who, spot? Who who did that? That was such <laughs> a then, stupid idea. Everyone was like, "No, Billy," and they like they buried him in this Greek floating city somewhere, and then sure. were like. Is there a way to you know bring him back or something? And then Gary's character, you can hear a voice. God. And just like, I God. know what to do. And then <laughs> Hans Zimmer's piece just blared like in the cinema. Oh my and just, god. And it was like Wonder Woman Steam, and I was laughing so hard. I just couldn't believe what was, was happening. So... Gal Gadot oh, like, hey guys, I'm here. And then she she somehow <laughs> Got the staff, put it together, and then she's like, "Hey guys, I've solved it. Whoa, hey, I'm here." Yeah, uh, and woo. then brought Billy Batson back to life, and then we somehow went back to this stupid subplot of Billy trying to be in love with Wonder Woman at the end. And <laughs> whoa, <laughs> okay, I have so much to say. First of all, what a deus ex machina. That came out of literally nowhere and it solved the entire plot and we're back to where we started. Not a single thing changed. Oh my God. That is just like the peak of laziness. So, like, please. I was so, so upset it, that they just resolved it just like that and nothing changed in the wider arc of the movie. The characters haven't changed their way of life or or they haven't gone through any particular arc. Wonder Woman just comes in and saves the day ridiculous absolutely stupid second of all it looked weird and i'll tell you why it looked weird because gal gadot wasn't there on set it was a body double and they just cgi'd her face onto it wow (laughs) just incredible and here's the third thing yes they play hans zimmer's score yes it's a banging (laughs) track but oh my god what a weird way to use it As Wonder Woman walks slowly across the screen. I'm so sorry, but it was just so <laughs> strange. Like, wow. Wow, what a what a choice. It's, it's so weird. Like, once you look back into BVS, Wonder Woman comes out of nowhere. And then that track, like, completely gives you chills in that scene. Yeah, incredible. In this scene in particular, is Wonder Woman going to fight? I mean, no, it's just like... Her, like, I know what to do, and I'll solve everything, and it contradicts everything. Like, the film's entire arc... Yeah, nothing uh, changes. The only thing that's changed is that the house is now being rebuilt, Hespera and Calypso died, and now the parents know. But in the grand scheme of things, we haven't really gone anywhere. I just couldn't believe it. The cameo, I, I just don't know why that was so needed. And it was such an evil way for filmmaking. It just reminded me of all the fake-out deaths. Like, there's one in Space Jam, Legacy something, I don't know, but when Bugs Bunny <laughs> oh, was I about to about die. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's quite a lot of fake-out deaths in The Rise of Skywalker. So, yay. We're comparing Sam to The Rise of Skywalker. I'm just, like, it's disappointing because the first film was so solid, and I just, I don't know what happened. This one's just so overambitious and it just lacks the focus that it really needs. And I'm just, yeah, I just, uh, what a shame. What a shame, really. Yeah, I was just so surprised. That, like, we went from Shazam, the first one, and then to this. I don't know why Gods needs to be in this specifically. Like, it could have been focused on maybe a different DC villain. They set up Savannah with Mr. Mind at the end of the first movie. And they didn't do anything of that. Apparently, they're in the second post-credits. I don't know. I didn't watch it, so... 
I didn't watch the second post credit. Uh, I didn't, yeah. but I did watch the first post credit scene. Is Shazam going to be in the DCU? I don't know. I mean, that post credit scene implies that Shazam's going to be part of the Justice Society and all that. I don't know what any of it means, really, and it's all a bit disappointing. I'm just, I came out of cinema and I didn't think it was bad, but now when we're talking through it, I'm a little bit like, I'm not really sure whether it does hold up and whether there are those redeeming qualities. Yeah, they they aren't. <laughs> I, I'm just being honest. Like, there there aren't any like anything that redeems this film. Like, in terms of like character arcs and that horrible piece of cameo. No, no disrespect that, to that. Gannon, that but... horrible piece of cameo. <laughs> Good. That cameo was not fit anywhere in that film. I don't know why that was the choice. Yeah, I guess they I wanted mean, to have Wonder Woman. I, I guess, sure. Was it an attempt to connect the DCEU, which is basically dead now? I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you got this, but before the film, there was a Flash trailer. Yes, I got this, actually. That, I enjoyed that more than the movie itself. I enjoyed the Flash trailer more than <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed same. Shazam. And apparently Tom Cruise like... liked the Flash. So, you know, please be good. Oh my god, everyone, like, even directors and actors, like, hyping about the film, like, this is great, this is, you know, this is one of the best things, you know, the film, the, the cinema needs right now, and, like, this is what we need to watch, I hope it is good. The news after news about Ezra Miller, like, there's lots of news that we won't go into that, and I'm like, am I still excited for it? But the trailer, I'm intrigued. I mean, we've, yeah. we've covered all the DC movies since Wonder Woman 84, excluding Super Pets, <laughs> and we did a video recently about how exciting the DCU is and the, the, this new slate that James Gunn gave us, and unfortunately, Black Adam wasn't great, Shazam hasn't been great, that's two in a row of live action. And I, and I know that the Batman was fantastic, but I'm just worried that DC is going to not hit it because Marvel has fallen into that trap. And I feel like most Marvel movies now aren't hitting it. Not that there aren't yeah. exceptions. And I'm worried for DC. I really hope The Flash is great. I really hope Blue Beetle is great. I really hope Aquaman is great. And of course, beyond that. But it's just a shame that this one, because who knows? Who knows whether we'll ever get a Shazam 3? And if we don't, this might be the last time we see this iteration <laughs> of these characters. And that's a huge shame. Yeah. I just don't know what to say else for this film. Well, what uh, are you going to give it out of 10? Give me a, give me a ranking. I'm going to give it 3 out of 10. Oh, wow. I mean, that's that's pretty steep. I mean, I think I would have to go maybe four or five. It's a huge shame. It really is. Come on, Flash. Please, please be good. This is difficult because I love the Flash and I love Michael Keaton's Batman. If you put a movie of those two together and it's bad, ooh, I'm going to be very sad. I'm going to be very, very disappointed. Because this, yeah. one, this one's disappointing. But there we go. It's not bad, not good, but it's like watching She-Hulk. Mm. There's something weird about it, but you can't explain it. It's like, yeah, huh. It's the mediocrity that I feel I have been criticizing Marvel for for a while. And I've always thought, well, you know, DC has more than that. And I still think that they have the opportunity to be more than that. But two films in a row that have been pretty mediocre, arguably pretty bad. Yes. That's not good going. I don't know why I heard somebody that they said that Black Adam was going to be in Shazam 2. <laughs> no, I mean, we're not going to see Black Adam again, are we? <laughs> we're not. That's not happening. No, I guess the hierarchy of DC didn't change. Um... <laughs> I mean, technically it did yeah. because anyway. James Gunn is here and he's doing different things. But yeah, 
They they tried. <laughs> it, it's mad that the final time that we're ever going to see the Trinity as we know them, Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, as Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, potentially will be in Black Adam, The Flash, and Shazam Fury of the Gods. Just bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. It's such a strange thing. The DCU is going to be lost. The DCU is on. lost. <laughs> It's, it's it's over, lost. man. Ten years. I would say that most of the movies are good. In fact, I think we may be looking at a 50-50 split where I think half of them are good, half of them are bad, but it hasn't had the cultural impact that it wanted to. It hasn't built the universe that it wanted to. Time to start fresh. It has yes. to be said. And James oh. Gunn is directing Superman Legacy, which is really great. That's going to be amazing. Hey. Yes. Did you see that tweet? Oh, oh. my God. Amazing. Wow. Him talking about yeah. his father and how fathers and sons are such a big part of Superman and, and that story and what he wants to tell and how he only directs movies that really speak to him like that. That sounds perfect. That's exactly what I want from a Superman movie, from a Superman movie directed by James Gunn. You think about any of his other movies, whether it be Guardians 1 or 2 or The Suicide Squad or Peacemaker, any of his other comic book movies or even TV shows in the case of Peacemaker. So much of it is about family and so much of it is about fathers and sons. And I feel like that, which is such a core of what Superman is about. You see it in the original movie, you see it in Man of Steel, you see it all across the Superman mythos. It's going to be great. That sounds amazing. Yeah, absolutely there on day one for his film. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that's everything to talk about DC right now in Shazam. Thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoyed it and you're listening on YouTube, you can give it a like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. And next week, we don't even have to think about Shazam. We're going to go back in time. And we're going to talk oh. about The Fablemans, which is such a fantastic movie. And like, oh my God, you know, yeah. there's none of the negativity that we're showing today. We absolutely love that. What a brilliant movie. Loved and it. you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at OurStimeFilmPod. And tell us your thoughts on Shazam, <laughs> Fury of the Gods. Did you even see it? Tell us about Shazam, about Fury of the Gods, about the state of DC at the moment, and about the future. What did you want from this movie? What do you want going forward? Any of that, if you email us, we'll read it out loud on the podcast. And I Thank think you that's everything. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yes. Yeah. That's it. Take what you give. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye.